Hello once again. Welcome to On It Radio. My name's Dale Flashpoint, and with me, our lovely co-host, and actually, secondary host? We co-host. both host the thing. Co-host makes more sense, because it's a cooperative uh, adventure. Also host. The also oh, host. The also host. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Hey, Hello, Dale. <laughs> Don't sound so happy to be here, my gosh. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. Uh, <laughs> this the month of November as we draw our first year of Game Club podcasting almost to a close. This is the penultimate episode. This is the penultimate episode. Before our season finale. That's right. Where we go out in an explosive bang. So, naturally, this is our beach episode. Is Outward our beach episode? We did spend a lot of time on the beaches of uh, Oarai in the Chersonese province. Sure, whatever that okay. truly means. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> what What have you been playing this month, Dale? What's What's been new outside of Outward? good time with a game that i knew i was gonna have a really good time with and maybe i've been putting it off a little bit um but i've been playing my time at porsche this is a game that has the, the full-fledged dna of harvest moon survival uh elements of um stardew valley that kind of thing not not survival what's the word i'm looking for um agricultural elements there it is uh and it takes place in a post-post-apocalypse. I played another post-post-apocalypse game, meaning that 100 years after the apocalypse, society has been rebuilt and restructured in a way that people are feeling pretty good about. And uh, you take the place of the town's newest builder. Your dad was the builder before. He sends you a note and says, hey, I want to go see the world. Come take over my building workshop in Porsche. And once you arrive, you get the introduction immediately meet your 
jerk of a rival Higgins, who is just a rule breaker, uh, a greedy, driven, um, sniving asshole, for lack of a better na- name. Uh, well, you also that's a lot the of mayor names. of the town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't think of a name, so I just picked all of those. <laughs> you just all of them, all of the above. <laughs> you meet the mayor, you meet the, the locals, you learn that there's a church in this town that is really against the technology of the old world because as as luck would have it or not luck at all the technology of the old world is what brought about the apocalypse in the first place so uh, the one preacher is just like we can't do it any technology you can't have it bring it to me i'll give you seeds you can plant trees which is a really weird mechanic when the mm-hmm. only way to progress recipes is the opposite of that uh by giving your old technology to the research center so you can learn from it so it like it's it's a kid's game. It's a kid's game through and through, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I knew I was going to love this game when my pal Ryan told me about it a while ago. Like, actually, I think a year ago. This mm-hmm. game has it's been out for a while. Ryan sold, sold me on the game when he said, I've been playing my time at Porsche, but I don't know. It's a lot. I keep going to craft things, and it's like, you got to craft this other thing first to craft this thing. And then I craft the next thing, and it's like, but you had to have crafted to craft it to craft the craft. Oh, that's my shit. Ah, sign me up. (laughs) You love an intricate crafting system. I do, I do. And this has got a pretty good one. And it's it's an interesting enough cute setting. Oh my god, it's cute. It is so cute. There's an enemy. I hesitate to call it that because it just floats around and has these cute wings called a pan bat. It is a pear-shaped, panda-colored, with the cute little panda face and ears, bat. It's it's so it's so disgustingly cute. The thing is so lopsided it can't even fly straight and you just see it like rolling around in the air. Oh, perfect. <laughs> it's so adorable. So what what is this exactly on for people who don't it's, know, but I I also have just some general questions about the game just from briefly glancing at it. My time at Porsche is on everything. There is a mobile version out there if you can only play games on your phone. Um it seems to be the the majority of the game. I'm sure there's things removed for mobile, but Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, PC, you name it, it's out there. I actually own it on both Switch and PC. Can you link your accounts? I uh, haven't looked into it. Oh, so it's just separate files. I think it's... I, I've been doing separate files. I wouldn't be surprised if you could link your accounts, but I haven't looked into that. Hmm. Who knows? What are your questions about Porsche? Um, who's Porsche? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, okay. It's the name of the city. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh okay. Um, who's my? Who's the pronoun? You? Yes. <laughs> you. The, meaning the player, player character. Okay, okay, okay. So now those stupid questions are out of the way. Um, what, what it does, can you do, do you do combat often? I have only just begun the segments of combat. Uh, there are fully fledged bosses and like dungeons that you go through with mini bosses. It's, uh, it's mindless. It's not like an intense push button combos thing. You just, you just mash the attack button. And if your gear is high enough level, you're going to be fine. Okay. There's, you know, foods to restore health and stamina, that kind of thing. 
So you can really make this game what you wish. If you don't want to spend as much time crafting things, you could just go kill a bunch of monsters and sell your rest- uh, sell your stuff. But you are pretty much incentivized to take commissions from the community guild, help the people of the town, get to know everyone, and um, fall in love, maybe. Hmm. So, oh, is, is there a visual novel romance aspect? Um, not that I've explored too much, but, you know, I've noticed that there are people whose, uh, my, what do you call it, friendship rating with them is measured in stars or hearts. And I assume anyone with a heart is someone I can eventually visual novel romance. Ooh, do they have personalities? Do you want to romance any of them? No one's had a terribly distinct personality so far, no. It's, uh... You're not here for the story. I'm not here for the story. I'm here to craft. It's the gameplay feel. The characters are very visually distinct, but their personalities aren't written very clearly. There's there's a couple of stereotypes, like one guy, Polly, is a macho man builder. Mm-hmm. Um, you got your stereotypical, uh, I'm the leader of the local mercenaries guild. I'm a smiling, grinning uh, guy. Here's the people I work with. You've got a fairly stereotypical uh, sexy nurse. <laughs> oh, gotta love the sexy nurse thrown in this group of wackos. Uh, yeah, she's she's got a little bit of personality, though, because every time I talk to her, she goes, I, I often find myself wondering, what could the state of one's mental health cause their physical health? Mm. Like, that's some real shit. <laughs> yeah. But she's sexy, though. But she's, yeah, she's just overtly <laughs> sexy. <laughs> Great. Wonderful. Checkbox. Mark. Yep, yep. Check it off. You got it. <laughs> it's, it's here in Porsche. What about you, Faden? What did you spend some time on this uh, this month other than Outward? Well, I, I'm going to... I have no idea what you're about to say, by the way. I'm yeah, really... I could literally say anything right now.
But I, I think I want to talk about Pentamid a lot. Yes. So I have been playing Obsidian's newest game, Pentamid. This game takes place in the 1500s. You are an artist in trading to become a master artist in Nuremberg. And in Pentamid, you have to essentially solve a murder. At least so far. The game kind of evolves in a weird way that I wasn't expecting. This isn't an examination of one moment in time. Ooh. And it, it feels very much like a storybook. And I say that because aesthetically it is a storybook. The art is 2D. It's all done through the viewpoint of a book. Like an illuminated manuscript from the medieval era. Yeah, that kind of thing. But it's late. I mean, not really medieval. It's it's close to Renaissance. Yeah. But it's still very old-fashioned art. And the artist, Andreas, you can make him, like, you can, uh, you have flexibility in determining his origin. Especially, uh, I went w with being a Latinist, so I understand Latin and Roman history. I yeah. also studied medicine, okay. which has been pretty useful. And I chose to be an occultist because I thought that would be more fun, knowing the dark arts and the heresy. Yeah, the opposition to Catholicism. Yeah, it's also just right after Martin Luther nailed his theses to the church do walls. Door? Door. Not walls. Door. They're made out of stone. He had a powerful nail. <laughs> and a powerful arm. And, and yeah. a powerful thesis. <laughs> I, I find the game incredibly charming. It's very funny. All the characters have different sort of handwriting or script. The printing press guy, I showed Dale, Dale this. The it's, printing press guy is so cool. just has his text pressed on to the speech bubble right away. And Andreas, it's nice cursive artist handwriting. But characters have... And, a, oh, well, as Andreas speaks... The text, you'll you'll see the lines appear so that mm -hmm. each is evenly spaced. You'll see the outlines of the letters, and then they fill in with the ink. It is so cool. Also, sometimes characters have error rates. I was listening to an interview with Josh Sawyer, and apparently some characters will mess up their speeches more than others, and will have to erase those letters and correct them. <laughs> it is it is a niche game for sure, but it is. I've started it myself, and it's pretty great. It's amazing. It's so much fun. Because who doesn't love a murder mystery? Yeah. Did, did you remember what you chose for your specialty studies? I don't. I'm, <laughs> I am going to plan. I plan on starting it over because yeah. I started this game a few sheets to the wind the other night. <laughs> I love it when you randomly sound like an old man. Me? me? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> What I, I enjoy the most about Pentiment is it really shows different people at different societal levels in the medieval era. Um, Sister Illuminata is the librarian, and there's this very great conversation where Andreas is talking about all these great stories and how everyone loves these stories. Yeah. Illuminata's read all these books and says, yeah, these stories are cool, but... I am a woman, and these stories aren't about me. They aren't about my experiences. I'm an object to be won, someone to be rescued. Hell yeah. And so, 
she says, I, I just don't enjoy the stories. I know all these stories, but I, I don't really enjoy them. Yeah, they're boring. They're but boring she, male fantasies. But she doesn't she doesn't pretend that her position could be better. She thinks and probably is right that this is the best her position could be with the freedom she's allowed. Jeez. And that, I, I just that's find how that it was. Yeah, that's how that's how life is now. It's just they're able to tell a story about now using tropes and art, not like archetypes, but also expand those archetypes into it expands the archetypes into full mm-hmm. characters and putting them in a place of society. They have yeah. a certain class position, and that means they're allowed to do some things. Andreas is not a monk, but he can explore the abbey. He's allowed free reign, and he's able to have access to readings. He's a minor noble, but a monk can't really leave the abbey. A monk can't hang out with a nun in public. That's bad. They, people have to just know their place. Peasants, they can't go anywhere to the abbey. They they have to be in some. Uh, they have to be in service of the uh, yeah. church and the community because it's still the old Catholic church and the church is collecting tithings from every peasant and it's getting harsher and harsher. So I find, I find these stories about the society really interesting and how a town evolves over the years. I'm definitely excited to play more. It, it's very good. I have, it's nice that it's on game pass. So I didn't have to, I mean, I would have gladly paid for this one, honestly, but I got to try it to know that I really like it. Yeah. And I'm always down for the next Obsidian thing. Oh, yeah. They they sometimes do good work. More more often than not. I didn't like The Outer Worlds. I know. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. In documentation form. Okay, well, now everyone else knows, too. Good. I want my displeasure known. <laughs> I'm so unhappy with that game, but not really. It's fine. It doesn't it, matter. It was just okay. It was just fine. If it was 40 hours, I would be enraged. Oh, oh, yeah. It was what, 20? Yeah. I'm hoping Pentiment's nice and smooth. We'll see. So far. So far. Do I know it's really smooth, though? Adventuring. Adventuring's a pretty smooth time. Especially when we adventure. No friction whatsoever. No, it was always the right thing. We always agreed on <laughs> every decision. Every decision was discussed, council agreed upon. Formal voting process. We actually have a record of all of our votes. We were sure to pause and make sure that there was yep. enough time to <laughs>
We played Outward. It is a Quebecois-made game mm-hmm. um, produced by... Oh, wait. I should have it. Hold up. Nine Dots. Produced by Nine Dots. I've booted up the game enough. I know that. <laughs> uh, it came out initially in 2016, I think. I'm going to verify that. 16 or was it 18? I thought it was 19. 19? Well, geez, I just don't know anything. But anyway, it was recently pushed forth again in its deluxe edition state. And uh, that's, I guess, the version we played for, for important notes. Definitive edition. Definitive edition, not deluxe edition. That's we had out. such an issue at the beginning of this process. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, well, no, we do know why. I had just Outward, but not the definitive edition. So every time you tried to join my world, you couldn't because we were on different versions. Ma- yeah, mismatched game types. That was it. That was it. And I thought it was especially strange because for I was under the impression anyone that owned Outward got definitive edition for free. It might have been for a period. It might have been for a period, yeah. And so then we got the definitive edition and the Three Brothers DLC and everything was hunky-dunky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we have come to the point in our time where beyond that description of the game, Faden gets to do an elevator pitch Woo-woo. for why this game is a good idea. Or what this game is about, or what, yeah. I'm giving the elevator pitch in which, hey, someone important's in this elevator, and before they arrive on their floor, I need to convince them to to buy this idea. Okay, you are going to be pitching this idea to fictional GE CEO Jack Donaghy, as played by Alec Baldwin in the TV show Thirty Rock. Perfect. I totally remember his character. Is it just Alec Baldwin playing himself? Yep. All right, good to go. <laughs> All right, your 30 seconds begins right now. Hey, do you like opening up in a bag and checking your items? Do you like opening up a bag and checking your items? Do you like opening up your bag and checking your items, making sure you have enough arrows, enough traps, enough monostones? Do you like opening your bag and checking your arrows, going to the courier, and then selling your arrows, and then trying to buy them back because you didn't mean to sell your arrows, and then checking your bag before you head out? Then realizing, oh, you don't have enough water. You got to go back and get some water. Do you love doing that? Do you really like checking things? Quadruple checking? Making That's a list. That's time. That's outward. Well, I'll tell you what there, young Faden. <laughs> I think I might be sold on the idea. <laughs> I'm I was, America's Jack Donaghy. I was not expecting. <laughs> that makes sense. You know what? Cool. That's great. Thank you, sir. I I can't wait. Can't wait. This is a good thing, right? He's a good guy? No, 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 he's he's Alec Baldwin. So no, he's an asshole. That's right. That's right. I already established this. I'll make money off of you somehow. I just know it. (laughs) Oh, and also, it's crypto-filled. Not really. No, Outward isn't crypto-filled, thank God. (laughs) No. No, it's uh, Outward is definitely an experience. I'm glad I finally got to play it. Yeah, so we played this game completely co-op, did it together, didn't ever play an extra session or anything without each other. That is correct. And we did a whole storyline, but this game is really fun. It's fun. It's a fun time. It's a fun time. 
It's an experience of, like we said, going on an adventure, checking your bag, making sure you got all these supplies. And then checking uh, with another person to check to make sure their bag's also checked. Right, right. If There's you don't have enough supplies for the camping adventure, the um, the Scourge is going to eat you. Yeah, so this game tries to capture the spirit of being a fantasy adventurer. Not some great warrior king that has to unite the lad in order to build his kingdom back up or something. But more as just someone who's doing tasks for great powers. Yes, definitely. And it's very heavily built on managing like your food, your thirst, your sleep... Making sure your, your feet, items are repaired. Cold. Yeah, checking temps. I my I, I passed was, out from it's heat. It's chunky. So this game much. is chunky. <laughs> oh yeah, because you were in full plate armor with I no heat protection. Constantly running in that full plate armor with barely any heat protection. That's right. You did have a negative heat protection modifier. That is true. Not anymore though. Not with the new armor I got. Right. That new armor is sick. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> this game has some really good aesthetic design but uh we'll it, talk about that in a bit well no we can talk about that now but i feel like we were just beginning to talk about how you're not the warrior of light you're not some uh you're not some gundam ace pilot you're you're kind of well you are exactly someone who owes a blood debt to one of the well-established collectives in this post post-apocalypse it's another post-post-apocalypse. This takes place 100 years after a calamity. You were really getting on the post-post-apocalypse uh, train, huh? I am. You got me sold on that terminology. It's true. That's what it is. That's what Breath of the Wild is. That's where I first it, learned it. Yeah. Breath of the Wild is a post-post-apocalypse. That kind and, of is in vogue right now, isn't it? Shit. Yeah, it kind of is. People really like thinking about a society afterwards, which this game has definitely ideas on where humanity would be after an apocalypse. Oh and boy, apparently it it's ever. just a typical European conception of the progress of civilization. I've obviously, tribal uh, communities are not as sophisticated as current democracies. Obviously. So that game definitely has that really front-loaded at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. You're part of a... Um... You're, you're part of a community that is run by the larger Blue Chamber Collective. And they're like a really hyper-exaggerated idea of communism at all costs. Um, not, fuck the individual entirely. Nobody is important. Everybody is important. That kind of thing. It's like a really conflicting with itself sort of thing. I don't read it as communism, but that's also because it's hard to read almost any of these as any ideology. There's not much to it. If if we put an ideology to them, that's the one that I got out of that. Like collectivism, co communism, but not like like someone read about it once and was like, here's what that would be in an apocalypse. Uh, yeah, that's true. Maybe it's just because, yeah, that, make, that would make sense. I, I see what you're saying. It's just really and bad. That's the issue. It's, <laughs> it's just really bad is the main issue here. Um. So, yeah. But, does it, oh, it's so fun to play. It, it revolves around being very careful during combat, because we're just adventurers, we're not the great warrior. Exactly. We're not the dragonborn. We're not finding enchanted weapons in every segment of the land uh, as Tamriel is loaded with magic. No, 
In fact, the world of Arai, which we think is just post-apocalypse Earth. It is. There's Rosetta Stone. Stone. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, Arai, it's very hard to come by magic. In fact, you have to give up your life essence to be a magic user. Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing that was interesting was going through that mountain. Yeah. And fighting those troglodytes who are essentially just supposed to be level one goblins, but they're really hard. They're tough. Yeah. Especially the magic ones. We would just get one shot by them. Because we didn't have any equipment. All kind of level progress is attached to how good your gear is. Mm -hmm. There's not necessarily a health stat or a strength stat that you're leveling up with skill points. But there's, in fact, none of that. Well, there is some of that. You can well, talk to trainers to get permanent stat boosts. You can. I got, I got the movement speed stat boost, and I also had reduce penalties to movement speed and stamina when wearing heavy armor. And I did train um, as the ranger with a, a hunter and learned a number of special shots with an art uh, with a bow. But these all cost silver, which yeah. you have to then choose. Do I need the gear or do I sell the gear for the money? It's so tough. And the further limitations, which I have come to love, this game this game has its own ideas, that's for sure. Um, the hot bars. You only get eight hot bar slots. Mm-hmm. That's it. So you have to decide what's most important for the heat of combat. Yeah, it's cumbersome to go through your bag, especially when you have a lot of items, but that's the point. Also, wearing your bag during combat. We, I still did that to the end. I really should have learned to put it off most of the time. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a movement penalty that you get for wearing your bag. Your dodge roll is significantly slowed down, kind of like if you're wearing heavy armor in Dark Souls versus wearing light armor. That kind of speed difference. Yeah, and so you want your items in your pockets. Yeah, yeah, you do, so that when you <laughs> drop your bag, you can still have things to grab. Right, and not lose all your arrows. There's three levels of equipment, folks. You heard it. You have what you're wearing, what you can carry in your pockets, and further, what you can carry in the bag equipped to your back, which you can mm-hmm. drop at a moment's notice. Yeah. Uh, I have a quick sidebar. I was playing with friend Joe, uh-huh. and he accidentally dropped his bag and forgot where it was once. Ooh, but the compass shows you where it's at. That's where we discovered that. I didn't realize that until that moment. <laughs> I told you that twice. <laughs> well, I never dropped my bag, so I just never registered that. That's fair. I dropped my bag all the time. As the ranger, it was almost suicide for me to drop my bag because I can only carry arrows in bundles of 15. And as soon as that bundle of 15 runs out, I have to re-equip arrows. And my pocket can only hold like two or three bundles of arrows. Yeah, you can upgrade your pocket stuff with your gear. I did notice that. I was wearing one that upgraded it to like 12 pounds of carry weight. Mm-hmm. So I could I could carry more by the end. But I just... You had better armor. was in a position... I had better armor for stamina, remember? Yep, that's what I'm saying. You had better armor in the end. Yeah, maybe we should have spent some time getting you better armor. No, my armor was fine. Yeah? It worked. <laughs> it worked. It worked. We I did die got a lot to the end of a storyline. Yeah, we also cheated death a lot of times. Oh, I'm so glad we figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> so, this game is interesting with how it handles failure. If both of us 
got knocked out in combat, we wouldn't die. We would just get a different fail screen. Unless apparently we're in hardcore mode. Then there's 20% chance of permadeath. Oh shit, I didn't realize that. Yeah. But in normal mode, you'll get a whole bunch of different death screens depending on... Not death screens, defeat screens depending on the location and what you were knocked out by. They're not always bad, but sometimes they are. We got saved by an immaculate one who was just a friendly person in the forest that found us and we got all of our items and everything and nothing was taken and he was just a nice dude. That's one of my favorite characters. For context, uh, the Immaculate is what they call some of the Scourge Beasts from the Apocalypse. Uh, But we met one that was just chilling, just scoping it out, being like, you know what? I'm tired of fighting. I like reading your books. You got some interesting history. A very nice one. Good guy. Yeah. Good guy indeed. Um, But we found a way. (laughs) If one person dies, the other person can just exit the area. So long as they can load into another zone, mm-hmm. it is assumed that they went back for their friend and grabbed that body and dragged it all the way. <laughs> and then I can be picked back up. So I often took a as blow. As the tank. Yeah, as a tank. Which, rare for me. I don't play tanks often. What'd you think of as the uh, the tank for your role reversal? You're usually heavy support. Yep. it's uh, It was good because I also had magic so I could fire fireballs. That was so dope. Those fireballs are very nice. So I was a mage tank. And I was mage support. We both decided to dip a few health points into a mana pool. Yeah, um, because the it's a permanent change. One and done. You can do up to half of your health and stamina to gain uh, up to 200 points of a mana pool. I probably would have been a better tank if I had more health. Probably. And I... <laughs> In my second playthrough uh, with Buddy Joe, I'm learning that magic is stupidly fun. Yeah. We barely touched it. I only did fireball. And fireball works. Fireball's effective. Yeah. But those were our rolls. I I had some cool shots in the bow that I took. There was one that was like a heavy-powered, long-draw sniper shot, and then one that would apply a little bit of a slow effect to the enemy and jump me out of combat in a quick pinch. By the end of it, I think we had a pretty good system going where uh, we'd circle strafe the enemy and you'd take most of the aggro while I just plink them with arrows. We would trade aggro too. You're good at dodging. I did get to be pretty good, even though it was a slowed down dodge with my pack on. I figured out the timing (laughs) window for the most part. I I must admit to being defeated a number of times. It's okay. The game is fairly hard. It's fighting monsters is supposed to be a dangerous thing that you need to be prepared for. And I think and the, the game, game doesn't pull punches. No, I think it nails that feeling. It helps that it doesn't have extremely harsh defeat screens. So yeah. it keeps the story moving in an interesting way. Right. When you get knocked down, someone from a nearby village might find you and rescue you, but they may take a few silver out of your pouch. Uh, we were or, captured like, by we... bugs, though, that one time. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was gross. We we got killed by some insects and ended up in their hive. Yeah, they were about to munch us, but apparently our characters woke up and we were able to pick up our bags and we ran. Like hell. They were the fire beetles, right? They were, yeah. Oh, man. 
So we made our home in the region's desert area, which was full of these vicious insects, assassin beetles that were bright red and had lashing bladed tongues. And there were the, uh, I, I don't think we ever killed them to get their names, but they looked like rhino beetles that just shot molten magma at you. <laughs> yeah. And then there was the walled garden with the golem. Oh my gosh, yes. These golem, can I tell you something that I've learned about the golem? What? They were created by humanity to fight against the Scourge. Nice. But they've just gone rogue now, the ones that have been left in the field for too long. Rough. Rough. So these golem are, are like six to or eight to 12 feet tall creatures with their very lithe and mechanical uh, and have sharp bladed uh, appendages to slice and dice. <laughs> It looked like the he had swords. in this game is so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was just like the sword arm that they have. Yeah. Dude looked like he had two rapiers and was stabbing us. And this tiny little ball head and like a stick man body. They're really, really weird looking. We took down an ash giant. Did we kill an ash giant? Yeah, in the desert. Oh, that's right. The lightning halberd ash giant. That was a hell of a fight. Mm-hmm. I think I was knocked down. You, but usually oh, you were. I but I managed. I managed mm-hmm. to to circle strafe and hit a few more bow shots. These ash giants look like massive Twi'lek from Star Wars. They've got the like face <laughs> tendrils coming down, they but do. they're fifteen feet tall, and they've got this weird camel hump on their back. I wonder what that's all about. I don't know. The ones in the giant spring were nice. Again. This game presents some interesting, like, here's your enemy, but also, here's a friendly version of them. Or very friendly versions. Yeah, incredibly so. Didn't they just give you that awesome sword you used for the rest of the game? No, I think I bought it. No, I found it in a chest. That's right. I found it in an obscure chest. Yeah. Or you did. One of us. One of us. Oh, no, that was when we were in the volcano area. Yes. Which we didn't yeah. realize was the DLC area. For some odd reason, I don't know why we thought this. We thought it was the desert. Because everything else was weird in the game. We thought maybe their weird concept of a desert is a volcano wasteland? Yeah. But no. We kept no. going to Jesus. We should have turned it back. We sure did. <laughs> but we saw the city and we're like, we're going there. Going to that city. And you can't go to that city. We just unlocked that. Yeah, that's an end end game DLC city. Yup. But we got chased by scary things and we collected some good items. And I think we have to bring up the first <laughs> the first big defeat screen that put us oh, into God. the tra- <laughs> It has to be it has to be brought up. God. <laughs> All right, so we let, let's advent- let, let not far not long after our uh Leaving our hometown. We wait. No, this was before that. No, no, no. no never mind. Never, I'll, I'll let you go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not long after leaving our hometown, we went to the forest. That's like the next loading area, and we found the city there. Talked to an innkeeper. Found out. Oh no, it was way before. You're right. Holy crap. What okay, was I it? had a feeling. No, no, we were just right. exploring. We were exploring Cheris right. and Nice. That's right. We were exploring Cheris and Nice. We were exploring Cheris and Nice. What'd you see, that Dale? What'd you see that you wanted to go into? 
it was a cool looking fort. It was like this seaside uh, fort. This is the beach episode. We spent a lot of time next to the beaches, and this oh, was that's a right. Beach- a beach built fort and so i i thought let's go in there and see what those people have to say Mm -hmm. maybe it would be something other than you know nothing i talked to one of the dudes hold on hold on first thing we get in there and we go up to this gate and there's these two guys standing next to the gate and they don't say anything and we can't get through the gate okay and then fade in well no we then we turned around and went to the second room oh i was already there See, I talked to the guy, and he asked, do you need a place to stay? I was like, sure, why not? Time for a rest. And then he laughed, and all of a sudden, we were in caves with no items and a pickaxe. I was very confused. Mm -hmm. I was too. I said, Faden, what happened? And Faden said, I just asked this guy for a place to stay, and here we are. Here we are. And we (laughs) stepped outside and learned that we had been kidnapped and turned into slaves. Yep. So we have to mine iron for them. Or, you know, I talked to this one dude who said he could smuggle us out if we got 30 silver and was a good worker, quote unquote. Yeah. And Dale found an alternative. While Faden was having that conversation with the guards, the bootlicking guards, I was looking for freedom, thinking, how can we say fuck you to these assholes? And I found this room with a hole. <laughs> and I stood at the edge of the hole, and the text box popped up and said, this is the punishment hole that they mentioned you would go into if you were bad. Although it looks like you could get out if you could survive the fall, or something like that. And so I said, hey, Faden, here's a hole we could jump down. And Faden said, no, I don't want to do that. And I said, no. okay, well, we we don't have to do that right now. And Dale, what'd you do? And, well, I, we wandered around for a little bit more, and you said, well, there's this guy who's going to pay us 30 silver. If we, or if we pay him 30 silver, he'll smuggle us out, and we just got to mine some iron. And so I mined some iron, and it paid out, like, what I thought, hindsight turns out to be incorrect, but what I thought was two coins per scrap. I'm thinking, this is, this is the worst. We're going to have to be here multiple days. No way. And I said, Faden, I'm going down the hole. And Faden said, no, please don't do that. But I did it anyway. (laughs) And down the hole we went. Uh, We popped out onto the beach in a lot of pain and with not much health. And we did find our bags, luckily, but not anything that was in our pockets or on our person. Yeah, lost lost my decent armor at the time and money. And so the hindsight of this is this, the scraps were selling for five coins each. It just wasn't going to me. It was going to Faden. I didn't yep. see that at all. Yeah. Apparently I controlled our finances. And we could have very easily gotten out of there mm-hmm. with all of our stuff had I just bend the knee to slavers. <laughs> It's fine. But we I chose not to bend the knee to slavers. Yeah, that's true. We eventually got to Berg, and we were given a quest to obliterate them. And so we turned right around and did just that. Yep. Oh, do you remember the the witch? <laughs> this is another great moment. Back in the very same prison, when we defeat the the drunken fool who imprisoned us we pr- the the very first guy we talked to yeah we killed him he was one of the generals progress onwards there's two more we've got to we go through the basement free all the slaves fight the second general who's got this crazy cool shield but 
wasn't a, as good as the shield Faden had mm-hmm. already. Uh, I didn't have a yeah. Oh I no no, no you had Claymore. You had Claymore. By the yeah, way. I had a Claymore then. Yep. Um, and so we're like, okay, let's go up the elevator for the third boss, final boss, the mage. Big fight. Here we go. Faden speaks to this mage, and she goes, "Hey, I don't recognize you. Oh, you're sent from uh, Sierzo to kill me. Well." What about this? What if you actually go kill my ex-husband who is a total dick and has been torturing me and I have a mental link to him. So whenever I try and go get revenge, he just runs away like a coward. Uh, so I can't revenge him myself. Would you help? I said, yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. We'll go help. But then I and talked so to her again by accident. I wouldn't say even by accident. Didn't you want to just confirm where we had to go? Oh, that's right. Yeah. I wanted to confirm where I had to go. And I couldn't get an option to do that. So I said, I'm just looking around. Talk to you later. And then she said, now it's time to die. And aggroed on site. What the fuck? We got her, though. We sure did. It was actually not too bad. No, but, like, I feel bad. What what about her dick of a husband? He's still out there being a dick. He's still out there. We got to go back and get him. I think so. I'm booting up the game. We got to go back. Go to the first map, clear out every area. Each one. Systematically. Okay. No, <laughs> no trouble at all. The, the the areas are huge. They are pretty sizable. And each one with uh, a dozen loadable minor areas. They call them miscellaneous dungeons within the main map. Some are named And sometimes dungeons. main dungeons. Yeah. That's true. Those ones are huge. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a game you could easily spend 50 hours on as i oh, have we we are, we are cutting it close we finished on <laughs> two days before this recording that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but we, we did it kicked it into overdrive there at the end yeah should we should we kind of break into our, our journey a little bit i we think jo- so we we joined the desert kingdom after paying our blood price pretty simple stuff well, we didn't pay the full blood price. It was just, True. for whatever reason, we had to pay a blood price for wrecking the ship, I think. No, some family history. The story The story starts with us crash landing a ship of treasure uh, that we were basically, we had our debt, we were going to pay it all off, but we fucking crash because uh, some jamoke forgot to turn the lighthouse on. Um, and so the game starts with you having five days to collect 150 coin to make up for that, or you're exiled permanently. Um, turns out you can talk to the innkeeper in the town and innkeeper says, Hey, I heard there might be some survivors on the beach. Why don't you go look into that? And you can save the town leader's son. And that counts as a tribal favor to pass the 150 coin debt. Yeah, it would have been a pain to collect all that money. Oh, so tedious. Um, Once you do that, you learn that your friend Izan is leaving the city because his family name now has a blood debt from the crashed ship. Turns out his brother Roland forgot to turn on the lighthouse, and it's his fault. So now they have a blood debt to pay off as well. Izan's like, fuck that. This tribal bullshit is not for me. I am going to go to the desert kingdom of the heroic city Levant. And then, alternatively, your sister-like... Maybe she's not your sister-like. She's just the daughter of <laughs> the the village leader, Oliel. 
Yeah, Rissa is the village leader. Oliel is the daughter. Oliel says, I'm going to join the holy mission of Elat and work for God himself. Um, and here's why I think that's a good idea. And she goes out. And then you go back and talk to Rissa, and she says, well, actually, some shit went down in the main capital, Berg, for the Blue Chamber Collective. I'm going to go help them. And you're presented with a choice. Where do you go? And we set out to join our boy Izan in the desert. Yeah, and the desert was great because, again, I kept passing out. Very hot in the desert. Very Extremely hot. hot. Many people we are have... saying this. Yeah. You know, there's not much water in the desert. There's a lot of sun. It's pretty hot. There's some bugs. Lots that... of those, actually. And then we go through a quest line of trying to stop an assassination, but an attack happens anyway. Yeah. Our first quest for the Heroic Kingdom of Levant is, hey... Old Levant wants to start a war. The Blue Chamber Collective doesn't want that to happen. We're having a meeting in Berg. Go there and facilitate it. Make sure everything goes to a plan. As soon as we arrive, we are apprised of a plot to murder someone, which, okay, well, let's go try and stop that. Someone tells us to go to the basement. We go to the basement and they're like, there's the patsy. Oh, God, we're being framed. Okay, so we kill all these people. Find a note that clearly says this is a plot by some outside organizer. Old Levant is not culpable. Regular Levant is not culpable. New Levant, rather. As far as I'm aware, right? Is that what we saw? Maybe yeah, that's what this... we saw. But it might have been the Blue Chamber Collective, I think, is what it was hinted. Okay. Some people wanted to start a war. And so a war gets started after we leave. We stopped one plot, but another happened. Yes, regardless of what we did. Yep. So that kind of reinforces that you're just a grunt. You're not the hero of light. You have no yeah. power here. We don't really... Throughout this story, we don't really affect things too much. The next thing we do is we, we, we help on the backside. We don't help on the front lines of the war. We instead find ways to get food to the slum so there's not a revolt. Yes, because that was about to happen. The people in the slums are getting very hungry. The, the trading nation Sorobor is just gouging out the ass since there's a war going on now. Food is really hard to come by in the desert. So we fixed or tried to fix that problem. Right. We tried to fix that problem, made a deal to get more food delivered and stopped these bandits. But wasn't enough. And so we had to try something drastic. And the, the drastic measures was going to Monsoon. Going to Monsoon and figuring out a way to get the watermelon plants. Yeah, that was or it. The, the, the mushmelon plants mush to grow in the des plants. desert. And we worked with an alchemist in Monsoon who devised yep. a potion to help the plants grow and keep the fertilizer in. And then it comes to find out, oh, Sorobor wants money to get those there. Okay, so we got to get a little bit more money there. Okay, paid the, paid the shipping fees. And we go back, and okay, great. That's all well and good. The food is going to happen. But then we learn, and this is the last quest, right? Yeah. Then we learn that our boy of boys... Wait, no, 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 hold on. We had to go somewhere. We, ha we had to steal the Rosetta Stone. Oh, that's right. That, that's what the debt to Sorobor was. We yep. had to get this, the Rosetta Stone... So that they would do the shipping of the mushroom melons. Yep. So we had to steal the tablet from a lich. And that took us a while to figure out that, those levers. 
Yeah, we had to find out where these levers were throughout this tower that had terrifying creatures walking through. Yep, we couldn't really kill them. They were also on fire, so fire magic did nothing. That was a lot of running away, running back, running through, running around. But we didn't have to fight the lich. No, we snuck by the lich, fortunately. Yeah, that was really scary when you went behind his throne. I, I bet. That was pretty tense for me <laughs> as well. We give the Sor... Uh, Sor mm. Soroborian. Yeah, I hate their name. We give them the tablet and they deliver the marshmallows. Then we find out about our boy Ezan. Our boy Ezan and the girl that we've been working with too, who was like, hey. Yeah. They've turned on the kingdom of Levant. They want things like old Levant wants things. Uh, and they're going to join, or did they want their own kingdom? No, they wanted to declare their own kingdom. That's right. No, 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 no. So peace was happening, and they wanted to continue the war. Oh, because they were out on the front lines. Yeah, they saw saw the the friends die. Yeah, yeah. They want revenge. Honestly, the story is so hard to contain because it's very just like, and this happened, and this happened. Nobody stands out. Even Yizan is kind of just a dry character. The only reason Izan stands out is because of his prosthetic limbs. And a cool hat. And a cool hat. And he just seems nicer. I don't know why, but he just slightly seems nicer. Yeah, yeah. We do manage to convince him that his revenge plan is bad and he should Mm -hmm. come join and and help the heroic city. So we have to stop our main contact throughout this entire story. Chris, 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 something, yeah, Chris, Chris, something like that. Some, something kill her. But oh, no, she shot the queen already with a poison dart. And then this is where the story gets really weird. Yeah, things go from zero to eleven. Yeah, for no reason throughout this entire time. Like this is the most in the thick of things we've been, but it's still not direct war making. Instead, now we are thrusted into a battle of divinity as God appears before us. And God says, himself. Hey, I, I, I can I can cure the queen, but you need you need to make peace ASAP and you need to go to the hollowed marsh. So we go to the hollowed marsh. Luckily there's an auto caravan, we don't have to walk Thank there. Thank God we didn't have to walk there. It takes so long to walk sometimes. I wish the maps <laughs> yeah. were a bit smaller. Anyway, we go to the Holy Marsh, and God says, hey, I'm going to make the queen a god, S. But the issue is, the Scourge will come and attack the city, and you'll need to defend the city. And so we defend the city, and it's this weird, very set fantasy piece of a battle. battle. Yeah. Yeah. But also a set piece battle where this game's all about cheesing enemies, so we would just lure the enemies to the soldiers that kicked ass. Yeah, and the soldiers would, like, five-shot them. Yeah. Swing, 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 dead. So, you know, it was a it was a weird combat. It was the first time you'd been knocked down before me, though. That was the first time I got knocked down before you, yeah. I got a little overzealous, thinking, oh, <laughs> these guys are doable. We were doing double fire magic, so you, you got cocky. I did. <laughs> And yeah, that's the story. Save the day. Woo-hoo, that's pretty peace. much it. Yeah. Yep. It's 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 really not much. I am um currently playing 
a playthrough where I join the holy mission of Elat. I'm doing that on my own. Mm-hmm. And Joe and I are doing one where we're helping Sorobor Academy, which is one of the DLC. How is um, that? It's different enough in that war hasn't started yet. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but I am only on the first mission from each uh, uh, faction. So I don't know if the war begins after each faction or if the war only happens if you do Blue Chamber or Heroic City. I have no idea. I'd be curious to see how drastically different the story is, in fact. That does sound mildly interesting. I don't know if I would want to replay this game. I am enamored. I went hard on this game yesterday. I played this game for 12 hours yesterday on my own. I don't know how you're doing it. <laughs> I I think I just like it. You know? Yeah, it just clicks with you? It just clicks with me. What about it is so enamoring? Um, The, the methodical nature of it is really cool uh you really do have to plan things out true um in the face of that i have been doing a bit of greedy kind of loot hoarding trying to get all the loot sell it for money Mm -hmm. and that adds a a sort of a challenge because my bag's overweight my movement speed is down all that's affected Uh, also um, money weighs money has weight yes (laughs) which not many many games are afraid to do that yeah, this game is not about quality of life. <laughs> we'll say, and what did I say? When we discovered that my bundles of arrows were limited to 15, and as soon as I ran out, I had to re-equip. I said, this game is, it's, it's like having a paper cut. It's not the worst thing in the world, but every now and then you're going to remember how fucking annoying it is. <laughs> yeah, the game really wants you to struggle a bit and realize how much preparation it takes to go adventuring it's a lot of work it's a lot of work the setting's very interesting i think that's what has me hooked i like this post post apocalypse i want to know more about this elat guy why did someone named elat turn into god it seems kind of like a dr manhattan situation uh i like that parallel mm-hmm. i hope they do it well I I think it's fascinating uh, in a sense of I'm not completely bored by it, but also I just liked playing the thing. I didn't I didn't care for the story and the world's just fine. I don't know. It just feels it's hard to describe. It, it just feels almost like a shallow D&D session. Oh, I feel that. I love the game, but. That is an apt description. It has a lot of interesting parts to it, but nothing that I feel like congeals. There's definitely, it's definitely a collection of someone's great ideas. Maybe not all of them are related. (laughs) The game's just very ambitious in what it wants to tell in a story, but it can't help itself from uh, showing you these moments of grandeur. Yeah. It, It has to, it has to have God at the end. God doesn't need to be there. I don't. I don't know. And maybe God isn't for the other ending quests. Maybe we just got a really weird one. Maybe. Like you saw in your Steam achievements, only like 5% of players went with the heroic city of Levant in the first place. Yeah. Not even completing the story quest, just going to that choice. Yeah. So maybe the main canon story is 
different and we got a weird one? I don't know. I don't think this game considers one story canon over the other. No. In fact, I think the only canon part of this game is that the story is about the adventure you have. <laughs> the canon was the friends we made along the way. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the music's fun. Oh my god, I love the music. It's so, it's so, it, uh, it's, it's, um, um, well, uh, you have, so there's, um, you got instruments. Um, oh, okay. And <laughs> there's rhythms and melodies. Ah. This takes a Western fantasy sound font. Very much um, Jeremy, what's his face from Skyrim? Uh, very much uh, um, the Oblivion dude. Uh, sorry, that dude sucks. Skyrim composer, evil man. Continuing on. Oh, sorry, I didn't know they were a bad person. Are they, oh, well. The, anyway, it 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 feels <laughs> it feels very grand. Um, very yeah. very big. Uh, the 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 first area's music builds into this awesome crescendo. Um, each area has distinct music from one another, and I really enjoyed how the dungeons, too, had this kind of dark and brooding, almost electronic drone uh, to kind of tie back into, this is a post-apocalypse, there was at one point technology, you're going to see some of that in ruins here underground, and that, with that when we saw that dungeon with the train car that we could move yeah. back and forth, that's pretty cool, it's pretty cool. The music ties in really well to a world that has reestablished itself, I think. I can only recall the first area's music. It is pretty good. Yeah, I, I did like the Hollowed Marsh track is also really good, actually. I can recall that one. That one's good. Yeah. Oh, I love the way the Hollowed Marsh changes in its feeling. It, it goes from mysterious to this kind of adventurous confidence and then back into mystery. And I also liked the music that we hear in uh, Enmerkar Forest. It's just this kind of brooding, uh, almost somber sound to represent the Blue Chamber Collective. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's the Blue Chamber Collective or maybe it's all of the ruin and scourge and evil in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, it sounds like Lord of the Rings to me. Yeah, yeah. There's that. <laughs> I believe the composer is Jean Francois Racinet. Great job, Jean Francois Racinet. <laughs> ten out of ten. Yeah, you did all right. Better than some games, that's for sure. That that is for true. Uh. Do we have any last thoughts about Outward before we get into questions? Let me take a look at my notes. Uh, oh, yes. Here is one thing that I 100% wished about this game. This feels like a game that needs a booklet with it. Oh. Like, you would have bought this game on cartridge or CD or whatever, and it would have come with a really thick user manual that would have had, like, two chapters worth of lore building. Do you remember the loading screen advice that we got way late? Holy shit. <laughs> yes, another reason this game needed a booklet. 
the loading screen advice we got way late was that we could break down unneeded or unwanted equipment and retrieve scraps from them that we could then use for crafting. Yeah, especially arrows and traps, the two main things we needed to make at all times. Yes. This game definitely needed a booklet. Uh, there was one thing I wanted to... I have my notes got wrecked by a deer. We did get wrecked by that alpha. That big alpha deer. That's how we found the immaculate one. Yeah, the deer killed us and the immaculate saved us. I'm really enamored by the setting of this game. Um, especially after uh, playing a little bit into the holy mission mm-hmm. quests. The, the world is scattered with uh these vigil pylons they're called each region has their own vigil pylon you Um, really wanted to figure out what those were i I would say that was your biggest disappointment we didn't do that that was my biggest disappointment that faden and i didn't get to do that but i have satisfied that desire for knowledge in playing with the holy mission of a lot uh and let me read to you this um this well first of all what happened in my mission was that I had to burn some incense outside of what the vigil pylon in the swampy marsh, which is right there by Monsoon. And it, it imbued with me the knowledge of how this pylon was created. Basically, these vigil pylons are massive. I mean, 20 feet, 50 feet, 100 feet in the air, containing these giant crystals. Uh, and, and within each crystal is a massive scourge beast, like as big as a building massive. Oh. So what I learned in this vision was that the crystal itself is the crystallized souls of the warriors that were fighting the scourge beast as Elat cast this divine edict to uh, ensnare them. So this is literally enslaved souls permanently stabbing and tormenting and torturing these still living imprisoned scourge beasts metal so fucking metal and so here's the lore the lore bit that i wanted to read about the setting of the world and this scourge came about a century ago a violent magical explosion tore apart one of the mountain regions of Arai carving a massive canyon into the earth and soaking the region in corruption. From that canyon emerged a horde of monstrous creatures that rampaged all across Orai. The canyon became known as the Gates of Catharsis, and the creatures that still pour from its mouth are known as the Beasts of the Scourge. Although the initial surge was beaten back by the holy mission of Elat, and protective measures have been put in place in populous regions, these raging monsters still plague Ori, viciously attacking anything they lay eyes on, and especially large hatred to those who pledge their loyalty to Elat. The crystal vigil pylons that protect the settled regions of Ori keep them largely free of scourge, but the beasts will still find their way in and cause havoc from time to time. Interesting. Pretty, pretty interesting, I thought. I read an interview with the lead director. Ooh, cool. Who's who's the lead director? Let me pull it up real quick. But he was talking about how important it was to have split-screen co-op. Which is a thing in this game. Yep. Oh, CEO of Nine Dot Studio and creative lead. I'm so sorry to... The Quebecois, Guillaume Boucher Vidal. 
So apparently he absolutely loves playing co-op games with his family and especially with his brother growing up. And he thought it was very important to have that. And it was a pain in the ass to implement it. But they managed to do it. Good for them. Yeah, I think that's really cool. The only regret I had is I wish we could have played it split screen. That would have been cool. I think that would have been cool, too. Especially the whole experience split screen. Yeah, You would have socked me one good when I jumped down that hole. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Me notoriously socking people. Just socking them left and right. (laughs) I would have had to remove myself from the room, I think. (laughs) I, I, I like this game overall. I just... It was just too long? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just too long for a podcast like this. That's I think that's the takeaway. <laughs> we this this game wanted more than a month of, of playtime from us. Yeah. And it was just we had to do it together and And we could only do it in short bursts. Yeah. Not not necessarily short bursts. Two hours at a time was pretty good, I think. It took us like forty hours to beat this game. Maybe it is too long. I, I, I go back. I'm going back. it's a bit too long to beat the main story the stories just needed to be shorter i the quests aren't that interesting what's interesting is exploring the world yes and and we didn't get any quests that incentivized us to explore cool parts of the world as cool as we were seen i think yeah i agree with that again maybe that's because we went with the heroic city of levant that's true who knows we don't well you will i will let me know if you ever do want to play again. Uh, we'll have to continue our save and do the DLC. I would love to. So that that area of Sierrock or something with the Caldera. The Caldera. That's which again, idiots for not realizing this is not the desert. Yeah, heroic city of Levant in uh, Abrasar pl- pr- province, specifically not Caldera. Yeah. <laughs> Sh- should we get into some questions?
I really want to. We've got some great ones this this uh, season. Do you want to take the season? <laughs> yeah. Just in general? Just in general. <laughs> Do you want to take the first one? The question from Annabelle Lee's Omens. How did the story options and or character building mechanics add or take away from your experience playing outward? That's a good question. Um, there's a lot. Character building basically means finding the gear you want and or uh, committing to the magic spells you want. I think that that is really uh, complemented by the game's kind of exploratory design. You gotta go find these people. You gotta talk to the NPCs in the village and learn who you can train with. I think for my character, it's really weird having the plate armor but still choosing the desert and just never navigating the heat. Just a nice conflict in her life. I don't know, yeah. that's kind of how I read it. It's like, my character, based on the... Exp- like, I can imagine a story and think about the story of, like, my character choosing to be in this holy kingdom, but refusing to cope with the weather. It's a bold choice. <laughs> so I think you can build some stories out for your characters in this world nicely. There's enough RPG elements to do that. Yeah, yeah. Our next question is from Spectre of Socialism. If you can make a singular change to Outward's multiplayer, what would impart the greatest benefit to the gameplay experience? I already got it. Four-player co-op. Oh, hell yeah. I was going to say add a jump button. (laughs) For multiplayer, though? Only multiplayer. (laughs) No single-player jump button. No, multiplayer change. Not gameplay. Jump That's button. a change to the multi <laughs> jump button. Jump button, but only multiplayer. <laughs> Four player multiplayer would be nice. Um I think that maybe a like a uh maybe uh uh one of those things, what do you call them? Apex Legends has the best one where you can like ping. Ping. A ping system would be awesome. Okay. Would that kind of re- ruin the exploration bit though? Well, what if you just simply can't play with someone? Uh, what if what if whoever you're playing with just simply has no way of voice chat? That would be... I don't think you can do it. You can't do it. Yeah, that would suck. It would be impossible. I would think. It would be an effort in futility. <laughs> but a ping would be fun. At least to point out items or something that you drop... Although items do have a pretty nice glow, nice little white sparkle to them. That is true. Would you wanna wanna uh, get the next question from? I'm Key, ready. Key Queen. The next Queen? Key Queen Queen asks, "How's the soundtrack of Outward, and what's y'all's favorite video game soundtrack?" That's a du- dual question. I like it. Outward's got a great soundtrack. I think I made that pretty clear. Yeah, we made that pretty clear. But what's our favorite video game soundtrack? Uh, There's only one great best video game of all time, and that's Ocarina of Time, Legend of Zelda. So that includes the soundtrack. Wrong. Wrong. That's just wrong, I think. But I I respect it. Yeah. Uh, For me, just number one, without a doubt, no question... Oh shit, I know what it is. And maybe I want to change my answer to Outer Wilds? The Outer Wilds, yeah. Hello? <laughs> Hello? Although Tunic. Tunic. Yeah. I mean, nothing 
nothing will ever affect me the way that hearing the Supernova song in Outer Wilds affects me. And specifically the dynamic nature of that soundtrack with its moments hard-coded to the... Yeah, 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 That's my favorite soundtrack. I mean, I have other ones too, though. Like, that's a certain mood. Ocarina of Time. I also love the Neo, The World Ends With You soundtrack. But that's a different mood. That's a different mood than Outer Wilds. That's for sure. Way different. What about your favorite? My favorite. Mm. What's your favorite? It's The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Because that's everyone's <laughs> no. favorite. Because it's the best video game ever made. No. <laughs> no. What, what, what one specific song do you think stands out in that soundtrack? Just curious. I'm not saying like you're wrong, but like. I'm going to say it and you're going to be like, okay, yeah. The Song of Storms. <laughs> Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> duh. Yeah, no, duh, you're right. That's not wrong. I, I put I put that as my song for But that for episode. me, um all of the arias and all of the things you learn on the Ocarina, just how, the musical nature of that game. I, I do think that's my answer. It's, Wind Waker it's also has a very songs. nostalgically driven answer. Oh, Wind Waker is a close second. Wind Waker has such good music. Yeah. Oh, Link to the Past. Zelda. <laughs> full, Zelda. Full franchise. <laughs> Skyward Sword. Oh. Breath of the Wild's minimalist. Oh. <laughs> All right. The next question comes from Hilver. What is the quintessential 7 out of 10 video game? Hilver, have you been on Twitter recently? Isn't it Mario Party? What? Isn't every 7 out of 10 game Mario Party? And if, you're, oh. if your friend says, I played a 7 out of 10 game, your friend is assuredly telling you they just played <laughs> Mario Party? That's a, that's a famously Dia Lucina tweet, and she's just funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. I guess Mario Party. I mean, that's not... That's, that, that's right. It is Mario Party. It's just Mario way. Party. That's every 7 out of 10 game. I really, like, loved the new Super Mario Party. Not Super Mario Party. Well, I kind of did. It just didn't have enough. But I also loved the, the, the collection that came out. Wish they added more maps. They'll never do anything with that. But, uh, I mean, what other game? Uh, what it, hmm. Mario Party's a good answer. I'd say that Porsche, the game I mentioned earlier for my other game this month, that's a good 7 out of 10. But, like... It's pretty okay. Have you played Heavenly Sword for the PS3? No, I always wanted to, but for probably all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Hot anime, babe. That's it. <laughs> God. Oh, that's a, that's a pretty good 7 out of 10 game. It's really weird. The combat's interesting. The story's very strange. Ninja Theory made this game? Yeah! What? <laughs> it was fun. I love it. I really glommed onto it. I also was a huge Anna Torv fan because I watched Fringe. Oh, okay. And she plays the main character. And Andy Serkis is the evil king. No shit. Those are two huge gets. <laughs> yeah. But they did a lot of facial capture technology, so it was just Andy Serkis on his bullshit again. Oh, nice. But it was extremely short too, which was really funny. Like you get you get that in an afternoon, like a seven hour game. But oh, not bad. Oh. I mean, it's worth it's it was a fun experience. Scribble knots. That's a seven out of ten game. Scribble knots, that's a seven out of ten game? Yeah, yeah. Cute little uh word puzzler. 
Okay. I, uh, I would also say the Lord of the Rings Return of the King game for the PS2. That's a good 7 out of 10 game. Okay. Okay. Isn't it's that just... like a Lord of the Rings ARPG? Or am I thinking of no, a different Lord of the you're Rings? You're thinking of Third Age. That's also a 7 out of 10 game. You're so right. <laughs> that You could play two player in that. Another person Dang. can control another party member. Yeah, I'm going to get it for the GameCube soon. Sick. So next time you come over, we'll just play Third Age. <laughs> deal. Deal. <laughs> We've got one more question, and I think it might be the best one. This is going to cause a fucking fight. Yes, it is. And I'm so ready for it. What's the next question, Dale? Edgelord Jake asks, what are the worst Pokemon? What's the worst Pokemon? And when we saw this, I decided right away, we have to make this top five worst Pokemon. And and yep, I'm ready. I've got my list. You go first. All right. All right. All right. Should we Should we go like back and forth? Okay, we can go back and forth. All right, I'll start. Okay. Um, Meltan. It's any reason? Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got to give our reasons. We got to defend these choices. Meltan is like a little, little like nut for like wrench things. Like not like a fruit nut, but a mechanical nut on top of like a mercury stand. With he has like a dot in the middle of the nut, and it just looks stupid. I don't, I don't, I don't like the way he looks. Like it just. Is a very uninteresting legendary Pokemon. Very oh, underwhelming. Oh, is that the? Oh, that's the Pokemon. Let's go. Let's go. Pikachu, Chukichu, Kapoko, Bucky, go. Yeah, I just, I don't find it interesting to look at, and I don't find it cute enough to redeem it. Okay, my turn. Yep. Okay, Abra. Fuck that teleporting stupid. I want to catch an Abra. Gotta do a little damage to it. Nope. Teleport gone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I, I, I'm noticing something fundamental in the instant. <laughs> You're thinking gameplay-wise, aren't you? No. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's different reasons for different ones. Okay. Of right. course it's different reasons for different ones. All right. I'm sad that you said Abra, but fine, fine. Abra frustrated me a lot as a six-year-old. <laughs> and, and I have some um, maybe unchecked um, anger because of that. <laughs> <laughs> My next one is Infernape. Just, Yuri did fighting fire better as Blaziken. What, what are we doing here? It's uh, it's the new version of the old classic. Yeah, no, get him out of here. Doesn't okay, look good, okay. doesn't look scary, doesn't look cute either. Just get him out of here. Pokemon can either be scary or cute. Faden says it. Yeah. If it's not scary, it better be fucking cute. Okay. Um, I picked Unknown as my second one because, wow, you put the alphabet in your video game. Oh, cool. Do you do you want an applause? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Going after Unknown. But, but have you considered Hidden Power? Oh, my God. Stupidest move. <laughs> um, my next one is Ludwig. Just a heart-shaped fish that looks gross, and I don't want to touch it. <laughs> yeah, it probably has a blood-sucking uh, proboscis. Just useless. Just useless fucking thing. 
Um, I picked cast form for the coolest idea executed in the worst possible way. Uh, <laughs> if you want any kind of benefits from the weather changing, you got to give yourself two moves that make the weather change. And then what do you have left? Two other moves? No, that's not viable. You need to play doubles. Right. That's where cast form excels. <laughs> you have a Pelipper. They do rainy day. Not do rainy day. They just bring the That's rain. It's just their they? nature, right? Yeah. yeah. And then boom. Or Groudon. Pair your cast form with a Groudon. <laughs> My next one is Rattata. Rattata's just a fucking dumb purple rat. You love rats. I love rats. That's why I like Raticate. But Rattata, get it out of here. I, I hate looking at them. And I hate how they're just everywhere all the time. Uh, to the tune of a similar drum, I picked Cricketune because I have so many memories of running through the Sinnoh region trying to find shinies, and it's just a stupid Cricketune. <laughs> I will never get that call out of my head or whatever it sounds like. All right, my last one. Maybe my most controversial one? Voltorb. It's just a ball of ice. Shit, I almost picked Voltorb. Oh, shit, right? Like, it's not that interesting. Like, Electrode is so much better. Yeah, Electrode's got this big cheese and grin. Yeah, with the stupid grin on his face. But Voltorb just, it just looks angry. And it's supposed to be, oh, no, I accidentally picked up a Voltorb. Uh-oh. This isn't a Pokeball. Uh-oh. My final pick, I'm actually picking all three evolution forms of the singular Clink, Clank, Clink, Clank from Gen uh, 6. Um, it's just... Um, it's it's just Magnemite, Magnezone, Magneton, but <laughs> Gears instead. <laughs> just the entire evolutionary line? Yeah, I think it's pretty unimaginative. I don't think the typing is even different. It's just Magneton 2.0. <laughs> Are you surprised? I didn't even pick Garbodor once. Drubbish? Yeah, I totally faked you out. <laughs> yeah, you did. I, I thought we were going to fight. I'm, fi- <laughs> I'm fine with your list. No, no, the the stupid design in Gen 6 is not Trubbish. It's not Vanillish. It's the Gears Pokemon. That's five. Is it five? What's Gen 6? There's too uh, many of them. X and Y. Okay, I meant black and white. Yep, that's five. I thought five was Sinnoh. No, Sinnoh's four. Pearl. You got red, blue. You got gold, silver. Yep. Sinnoh is four. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I always got to do that. I'm like, okay, there's red, blue, and then there's gold, silver, and then there's red, blue, and then there's... (laughs) You get colors, you get precious metals. You get colors, you get precious metals. You get colors. Wait. Yeah, black and white is five. And then alphabet. And and then alphabet. (laughs) Then you got celestial bodies. And we're back to colors. Uh, No. Oh, no, no. no. I forgot armaments. Armaments. (laughs) Military weaponry. Not back to color. If anything, it's been too long since they've been colors. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> Give me my red and blue again. And they were like, we heard you. Here's red and blue. <laughs> we're trying. Please stop harassing us. <laughs> Just buy our game. Oh. Well, do we have any fun and exciting quizzes? Or uh, was Pokemon <laughs> our quiz? <laughs> We got to tell the people we're omitting the quiz. We are omitting the quiz in lieu of the Pokemon list. Which I, I hope... think is a fair trade-off. It's a fair trade-off. It's, it's a pretty fair trade-off. What are we playing next month, Dale? 
because I can't get the name right at all. Next, ever. next month, we're playing a game that was highly recommended by good friend Joe. Uh, it's called Road 96, and it is a procedurally generated road trip. Seems like a pretty heavily narrative-driven game, uh, and I think Faden and I are going to come away with hopefully slightly different adventure stories that we can have a fun time talking about. Doesn't seem to be a very long game, so it should be a good one to uh, end the year on, as we do have a big, fun year-end shenanigans uh, planned as well. Yeah, I would actually like to do a call uh, to action. Classic classic uh, in- internet person thing. Oh, yes. My call to action is, we're going to do some Game of the Year stuff, and if you have a category idea of any kind... Please send them into our Discord, which you can join by entering our show notes, or you can just find me on Twitter at something. Just type in Fade and Cross, you'll find me. Uh, yeah. I have I have I have a Professor Elm holding a Cyndaquil because it's adorable. Or just you know pray. If you know one of us personally, just send a text or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Some of but you yes. know us personally. Give us ideas for game categories, like this year's best game where you can play as a cat, or this year's mm-hmm. best uh, game designed by the guy who makes Dark Souls, or uh, this uh, year's uh, <laughs> best game. <laughs> I'm making very narrow categories, aren't I? Oh, oh really? <laughs> best dad this, game. This year's best full motion game. <laughs> That's not so narrow of a category. I can think of two. <laughs> Yeah, so send it in categories, and that'd be great. I guess until next time, yeah? This year's best game where you can play as a squid kid. Oh, that's... I can think of five games. Oh, really? You need to get into the visual novel scene, buddy. Oh, shit. (laughs) 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 And on that note, Faden, any shout-outs? Yeah, me. I think we're gonna... We're going to say goodbye and see you in December. Bye.